right, let's get started. Season three of the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. Back with you here, Dan Class, James Adams. We're talking NFL draft, and we're kicking off our coverage of the 2023 season. Insiderfootball.com, of course, that's the website to get all the tools you need to win, including our draft advisor coming out here a little bit later on. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, we're happy to have you. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen, including Spotify. Google, uh, Google, as well as Apple and James, uh, great to be back with you. Another season here on the podcast. And I know like me, the NFL draft coming here has really got your juices flowing. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got rookie drafts getting ready to go. I think I've got one coming up, uh, in a week, another one in two weeks. I've got another dynasty startup that I agreed to get involved with outside of one that you might be thinking of. Goodness. Are you serious? Well, yeah, it's easy to get involved in Dynasty. Uh, we, that's what that's what fills the now until between the best balls and uh, Dynasty leagues. That's what fills the now until you know, like main event drafts get going. So oh, yeah, I'm gosh. dead serious. I know, I know. I'm just giving you crap because well, it's been a while since I've given you any, and you know, I'm just as bad. I'm just as bad. I do have to say though, James, we finally, finally now we're getting to Kentucky with sports gambling being legal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to be a little easier for me to get a little less fantasy teams, maybe a little bit more action in that. Now it's going to be at my fingertips. But you know, I don't know if that's a good thing. But uh, <laughs> we shall see. Uh, not to say that we weren't already driving across the river to do enough of that anyway. But That's correct. Uh, here we go. In terms of the draft, it went uh, uh, pretty smoothly. Uh, certainly a lot of curveballs and surprises for many, and there always is. But the reality of it is, is now we know where the players are going. It's a little easier to break it down. We're going to do that here indeed, position by position, give you some quick takes on how these guys stack up, what they look like in redraft leagues and dynasty as well. And of course, uh, we're going to take a look at those headlines. want to invite you to join James and me this month too. In May, we're kicking off our Do Good Fantasy Best Ball 10s and already, James, uh, we're two drafts uh, on the slow draft side. We're getting ready to launch live drafts. We've already raised uh, over $1,500 in the first 24 hours opening that up. So that's really, awesome. really uh, making a difference for veterans. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter, both of us, at Dan Claskins, at James Adams 94 for links there. Get Sports Info, my blog over there at GetSportsInfo.com with links as well. But enough of that, James. We'll, we'll save best ball talk for our next episode when we start looking at some early best ball trends and things that we're seeing. But right now, let's talk about some of those draft week headlines before we dive into the rookies and talk about some of the veterans on the move. And man, I couldn't have been happier to have two of these storylines come to a finish after hearing so much about each of them for so long of the offseason. But let's start with the trade that is finally official. Aaron Rodgers dealt to the Jets, and it is now official. His Packer career is over. He is in New York and under center with a team with a lot of talent around him, James, uh, on both sides of the football. Clearly, this is a good football move. I mean, let's let's not even go there. I mean, look what the Jets started at quarterback last last year. Even if you think Rodgers is a shell of himself, it's still an improvement over it was. So the Jets actually have something now that they didn't have before, in my opinion, which is a chance to win. But. From a fantasy perspective, how excited about you seeing Rodgers now in a Jets uniform? I'm excited, I guess. I mean, he should have better weapons than he had in Green Bay that final year without Devontae Adams. So you would certainly think with the uh, receiving core around him, whether it's 
you know, Lazard coming over with him or Cobb or I'm not sure that that one matters. But whether it's that or Garrett Wilson in-house, you know, the Jets have been really stockpiling some good talent on offense outside of the quarterback position. I don't know what Brees Hall brings to the table this year, but still they went out and, you know, drafted another rookie. We'll talk about probably later. Oh, my goodness. I'm never going to get it right. There's another. We got time to work on it. I'm I'm trying, dude. I can get it right when I'm not trying to say it. I'm I'm only not correcting you because I'm still working on (laughs) it. A Bonaconda, I think, is no, it's a Banaconda. Goodness. Okay. But anyway, Banaconda. There's a lot of good talent now that the Jets (laughs) have put around Aaron Rodgers. I suppose I'm excited about it. Um, for me, let's see what happens in the postseason. I know this is a fantasy podcast, and I do think that that brings uh, – it obviously elevates a guy like Garrett Wilson in that offense. But what does it do in the playoffs? Because in the end, that's what's going to matter because that's both Rodgers' legacy and that's what the Jets are looking for. Um, but, yeah, surely I'm excited. I mean, Garrett Wilson, you got to be more excited about him now this year, right? Of course. Well, again, and well, you can say that about the whole Jets team, right? Because sure, absolutely. Now, that said, I mean, I don't think it's going to make huge differences in where I was already projecting these players. I mean, it certainly is making differences, but I mean, there are a lot of mouths to feed. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that as well, because Randall Cobb, uh, the latest addition here as we're coming on the air, signing very recent with the Jets, adding to obviously Alan Lazard. We know he's already there. ton of offseason additions, a lot of balls to go around. And while Rogers' presence is good, Figuring out that target distribution is a little tricky, especially even look at the tight ends. I mean, Tyler Conklin, I know this was always one of your guys. What, what did you call him last year? Uh, you had a nickname for him. Remember? He was 10-point Tyler for ten a while. Point Tyler, he then he became, point. what, two-point Tyler? Uh, well, he did. I think Tyler touch, touchdown Tyler for a little touchdown bit. Touchdown Tyler. But no, I mean, dude, none of the, the, these guys are all fantasy studs by any measures. I mean, clearly, Garrett Wilson, I mean, no doubt about it. With Rodgers there, he's a, definitely a back-end wide receiver one in redraft uh, this year. And that's a pretty big tier, though. I'll say that. So uh, I don't think he's necessarily a guy. I've seen him mostly going in round three, obviously, in Dynasty is Young's there. But you look at the other guys. I mean, Lazard. I mean, there's a good example. I mean, where are we going to put this guy at on our board with Rodgers there? We're assuming Brees Hall is healthy. That's the big question mark to me. If Brees Hall can look like he did before that injury, I mean, he's hands down a top eight fantasy running back if he's healthy in this offense. But if that's the case, how many balls can go around for the other guys? that They did get rid of Elijah Moore. I, I don't trust Lazard anything more than a bench player, James. I mean, I don't no. even look at him as a reliable wide receiver three. No, and I would agree with that. I don't think I would even consider him a wide receiver three on draft day. He's not going to be, you yeah. know, for well, no, I'm, I've got him more as like a back end four. Yeah, actually, and I agree with that too. I mean, let's be honest. Last year, he really wasn't. Uh, um, I don't think anybody was really valuing him as anything more than that. And that's when we thought he was going to be the lead receiver for the Packers. So yeah, he certainly doesn't go up in value with additional talent surrounding him. Yeah, let's move on to the other headline here. We do want to save time for the draft on the draft recap, but. Uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, finally, it's a done deal, James. And we can put all the past back and forth, and I don't, we didn't need to get in all of that. But now there is resolution to it there in Baltimore. We know Lamar's their guy. They've added in some players. We'll talk about Zay Flowers when we talk about the rookie receivers. But now him, along with Odell Beckham, obviously Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews still there. If they can get Dobbins and this running game going on, I mean, you have to like from a fantasy perspective what is there. But here's the, my problem with all of it: it's still about durability and quarterbacks deep. I have a, t- I do not have Lamar, even though this is settled. 
even if he's there and happy. I don't have him in my top five right now, and it's not because of his ceiling isn't high. It's because I don't trust him that he's going to play the games and going to be there when I need him most. I don't have him in my top five either, but he's really close, and his fantasy upside is immense. Um, man, you talk about Rodgers and a lot of wet mouths to feed. Wouldn't the same thing stand true here with Lamar? The only difference is Aaron Rodgers doesn't really tuck it and run the way he used to, and he never did it quite the way Lamar does. I mean, nobody. Uh, Odell maybe. is, I mean, for where he's going right now in these best balls we're doing, which is well after wide receiver 40. I was in the uh, post-draft NFL draft on Sirius XM with some of our co-hosts over there on Sunday night. And I took him as my wide receiver five, dude. And it was, I think he was like wide receiver 46 off the board. And I in double-digit rounds, I'm like, what do you got to lose there with that? Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I, it's not like I love the guy, but I mean, he, to me, with Lamar back, he is the wide receiver one, at least in my eyes. Maybe not over Mark Andrews, but can, I'd rather have him than Bateman in fantasy, frankly. I think that's right, too, but it's been a long time since Odell was I'm a not real targeting either. Player. I'm not targeting either. Okay, and that's fair, because I think in this, this is kind of like the way I felt with the Eagles last year. If I want a piece of the offense, uh, let me go ahead and get the quarterback. And I'll trust that he's going to be good, but I'm not sure if I know. Look, Andrews wasn't nearly what we expected last year either. And now with more mouths to feed, I don't know if I want to say, hey, let me go get Mark Andrews as that tight end one or two. I will say, hey, let me go get Lamar as QB eight if that's where he's going to slide to. If he's a back end QB one with that crazy MVP upside, I'm interested in it. But yeah, I'm not really interested in a ton of what else is going on in Baltimore because again, if Lamar is healthy and he runs for a thousand yards, how many is he throwing for? How many? And that's the problem. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem. How many is he throwing for? Those receivers come around, right? And to me, it's sort of an oxymoron because if he's gonna stay healthy, he needs not to run for a thousand yards. You would think that is the case, and I think Baltimore's starting to see that, right? I mean, but all of that said, I mean, yes, he's not in my top five. Does he have QB one ceiling? Absolutely. I'm not gonna argue that. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it. But it is a potential there when you look at the players and everything. It's a tough, it's a tough landscape in the AFC. And frankly, I don't even right. view the Ravens as a top five team in the conference, uh, you know, based off of of the roster. But they're still a really good team. And in the NFC, would would definitely be up argued one of the best teams. And that's what the AFC is this year. It's stacked. So. If we look at the other big draft day player on the move, and it came after they went running back to everyone's surprise in round one with uh, Gibbs, and we'll talk about the rookie backs here in a minute, but in the fallout of all that, we saw a day three trade. A fourth round pick is what Philly gave up, essentially, uh, uh, for, and, it, and it's, it's like futuristic stuff. And they land DeAndre Swift. He's now in Philly where they already had Rashad Penny. Now, they did let Miles Sanders walk, James, but Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, I know some were holding out hope that Trey Sermon was going to make a run off the practice squad for those dynasty shares they were clinging on. It's a crowded backfield. Uh, What's your thoughts on the value of one DeAndre Swift wearing that Eagle uniform? Boy, he's probably going to be awesome for about three to four games because he's immensely talented. Um, But the problem is, how many games will he play? How is he going to stay healthy? I mean, this is a recurring theme with him. How many games will he play? Um, how many times will Philadelphia have to really make him the linchpin of their offensive attack? The answer to that is probably never. It's probably only going to happen when it just is working out really well in that regard. So he seems to me like a guy who's definitely a best ball only type of player. 
um, because we know that Hurts can run the ball. We know that they don't have to run the ball with Goddard and Brown and Smith. Um, so I would say, and that defense is really good right now. Like, is Swift the guy that carries the ball in the second half? If the Eagles give up three points through through uh, two, you know, two quarters, and they're up by twenty points, I don't think so. He certainly wasn't in Detroit, and I don't think that's the the role he'll have there. So I think there's going to be a lot of letdown from Swift, not too dissimilar from what there was last year. I like him in best ball if he falls enough. I'm not going to target him. I, I feel like he's a back-end RB2 on my board, a guy that I'm not going to skip over uh, if it gets to the point in the draft because of where I'm usually drafting RB2s these days. Uh, again, I like him better on best ball teams. You know, Right now, my KFFC draft master I'm in over there, it's 28 rounds. So I'm going to end up with like six or seven running backs. So getting him as my RB2 in round six on the back end of four stud receivers and McCaffrey in round one on this team I'm building, I'm like, you know, I like it. Uh, It's interesting, but I'm with you. I think it's going to – you can't count on him. We know Mm -hmm. the talent's there. I really like Rashad Penny in the Eagles' backfield, especially in the best ball format because he's going to go two, three rounds later. He might end up being the dude if he stays healthy. And with both those guys, <laughs> they're it, both if they stay healthy. But here's the thing, James, it, when the health, when you talk about it with these guys, it, the risk is baked into the ADP and I like okay. upside and there's not a, an offense that has more of it than Philadelphia. And both of those players have upside too. I mean, they're both very talented players. They're both first round. Picks, you just right? don't want to like be that, have those guys be your mid round guys in every draft, right? Agree. You need yeah. to get some, uh, get, get them when you can, but let's not get overloaded on it. And I think mm-hmm. you'll end up okay. Joe Mixon. I want to finish there, but quickly, a lot of, a lot of people here in Cincinnati obviously uh, didn't think that the Bengals were probably going to keep him. I know a lot of veterans like Zeke Elliott have been rumored. A lot of mocks had the Bengals landing Gibbs. That didn't happen. He wasn't available there. So coming out of the draft, Zach Taylor doubling down. Joe Mixon's our guy. Now, whether they restructure a contract remains to be seen. But without them drafting a running back until round five in the draft, uh, Mixon's looking like the guy here, James, and talk about another guy with a lot of value. I mean, is is he a stud? No, but we know what Joe Mixon is, and it's an offense, it's an improved offensive line. Right now he's going RB16 in NFFC, NFC best ball drafts in the last three weeks. Just imagine if he could pick up some of that Samaj P. Ryan role, um, if he can pass block a little bit better, and he could really be like a first-round talent again um, in, in the fantasy community. Yeah, we'll see. I I am still interested to see how this entire thing plays out, but you're right. I heard the same post-draft interview, uh, that you probably did with Zach Taylor, where he said, I like Joe Mixon. He's a banger. There is some legal concerns there. They appear to be minor, but they are active and ongoing something to monitor. Let's get into this year's rookie class there. And before we drive into each position uh, overall, I mean, the draft, Always a lot of fun. I thought they did a great job in Kansas City. Uh, you know, lots of fans were there. It was pretty cool. They did it on the World War One Memorial. I actually loved our Super Bengal fan that um, sort of took a jab at the NFL with the coin flip there and talking a little who day smack to the Chiefs fans. Uh, that was cool. My favorite part. I don't know if you saw it, James. I, there was a a cancer survivor, a young boy, a Jets fan. They got oh yeah, they dude. Got that's the kind stage. of stuff that makes you like cry. Oh I my god, it. dude, that was the coolest thing. That and uh, the draft starting with the the uh, Virginia football players' families up there that were killed in the school shooting. Uh, having them called their name on the draft, I thought that was pretty emotional as well. But uh, lots of good nuggets from it. Mm-hmm. One of these days, I'm gonna get to the draft. I know it's in Detroit next year. I want to go specifically just to boo Goodell as many times as I can and as loud as possible. But uh, that's, that's, 
on my bucket list. We'll see. But <laughs> in terms of this year's draft, James, a lot of action here in the first round. A uh, lot of trades. I couldn't even keep up with the trades. But the number one overall pick in the first two of the draft quarterbacks, and it was Bryce Young, uh, to nobody's surprise. The uh, odds-on favorite going number one there to the Panthers, followed up. And a player that you know sort of saw his stock plummet, but didn't plummet too far because he went down number two in C.J. Stroud. And then, of course, a couple picks later there at number four, you've got the third quarterback off the board and Anthony Richardson to the Colts. What's your just sort of breakdown of these three signal callers and, and what you think their fantasy outlooks may look like? I think... Young is probably the player that I like the best. Um, I am certainly going to put some stock in how the NFL puts stock in them, and the Panthers made him the first pick. Uh, I think the first thing we have to say when we talk about this quarterback class is just because last year's quarterback class was so bad, that doesn't make this class great. Um, Look, I'm not so sure. I'm worried about Stroud and the poor scores. I'm worried about Richardson and the poor completion percentage at Florida. So, I mean, I know that they were three of the top four picks in the draft. I'm not sure even at Superflex if I'm going to be, like, super excited to get Richardson. And I know the Colts are talking about him potentially starting right away. I would think Stroud would do the same thing in, in Houston. But I'm not so sure that those two are the world beaters that people want them to be because of where, the where they were picked. Bryce Young, I wish he was a little bit bigger but he says and does all the right things. And I think he has the chance to be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't know that he has a chance to be like Burrow or Trevor Lawrence, who were the first picks in the draft uh, in consecutive years before last year. But I think Bryce Young has a chance to be a plus quarterback, a QB one in fantasy, maybe not the overall, but I just, I can't, I keep looking back at this class and going just because last year was Willis and Ritter doesn't make this class Peyton Manning or or Jalen Hurts, you know what I mean? No doubt about it. And for me, Richardson's the top of my chart for in fantasy and dynasty and in season long. And yeah, the guy's raw and he probably needs time, but he's not going to get it. He's not going to get it. He's in Indianapolis. They need him now. They're not going to sit and roll Gardner Minshew out there for more than a couple of weeks. And just the rushing floor alone is going to, I think, make Richardson a fringe top 20 quarterback. Because uh, ex- I'm i saying that based off the fact I think the dude's starting at least 13 games. I think he is too. And there's no doubt long-term his ceiling's higher than these guys. Nothing against Bryce Young. I, I know that the big lack uh, knock on him is his size. and But, dude, this game's a different game than it was five, ten years ago, right? I mean, it's evolving. He's got, what I, he's got things you can't teach, too. He sure does. And... Uh, I think they've put a lot of good pieces in the right coach. I mean, you know, finally, Frank Reich isn't wa- running a retread quarterback out there. How many years in a row did they try to reset something with some dude that should have retired in Indy? Seven, six? I don't know. But Phil Rivers, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, none of them are going to do – I mean, Bryce Young's already better than any of those guys. I mean, so – it is interesting. Will Levis and Hendon Hooker, the two guys that finished out the top five uh, in this draft class. I mean, clearly Levis in the green room. I mean, that was sort of uh, unfortunate. I, I, I'm a Kentucky Wildcats fan. I watch a lot of Kentucky Wildcats games or parts of them. I saw a lot of Levis. Uh, I think I think he wasn't ever, never should have been in the conversation for where he was being talked about. Even some people suggesting he could go number one overall. But to see him slide, once teams start going past it, I mean – 
I wasn't all that shocked. Luckily, he didn't have to wait around there in round two. But here he is, James, in Tennessee. We know Ryan Tannehill's sort of timing out there. Meanwhile, around later, Hendon Hooker gets drafted by the Lions. Goff coming off a, a, a rebirth of his career. The team set there. I think this is a good year for Goff. If he goes out and blows it up, they'll probably give him a big deal and Hooker's the backup. And if Goff sort of reverts to form a little bit here, maybe Hooker gets a look. But I like what the Lions did there and where they got him. Yeah, I do too. And I think if you're in a dynasty league where you can sit on a player for a while, at the cost, Hooker might be the best play in this draft. Um, Because you're going to have to spend a lot for the top three. I'm not so sure about Will Levis. I mean, is he related to Mel Kuyper? I mean, what the heck, dude? Yeah. In redraft, <laughs> and even in Superflex redraft, I think after the top three, unless you're in a really deep league, that's where it ends. So Levis and Hooker are more dynasty plays. Absolutely. Everybody's talking about where's the next Brock Purdy at after what we saw last year in San Francisco. Anybody outside the top five you think that could fit the bill? Yeah. Um, and maybe it's injury. Maybe it's not. Um, what about Sean Clifford? I'm not trying to be goofy because I know he's a local kid who, uh, who we've covered in high school, but if he goes to the Packers, what if Jordan Love just isn't the answer? I could see Clifford with a path to starting at some point in the year. If Jordan Love just simply doesn't get the job done. That's interesting. I mean, I'm obviously rooting for him, uh, being, uh, you know, we covered him back in his high school days. A lot of those guys in this draft, uh, including the number six overall pick there, big Paris Johnson. Nice to see yeah. uh, him go in the top six. But uh, for Stenson me, that guy, Bennett would be my other. Yeah, answer. I think Stenson Bennett is the guy with that makes sense, right? He's in a great situation because he comes in with obviously Sean McVay. Uh, here he is in an offense that I mean Stafford's probably got a couple years left in him, so I, they're not rushing him into it. So in terms of developing into something, and, and worst case, maybe he becomes this solid backup. That's uh, it was a great landing spot for him. So. Overall, those are really the only quarterbacks I think we need to talk about from a fantasy perspective. So let's get over to the position that really is driving the conversation, and that's running back. And James, this class and Bajan Robinson features a player that might be as good as any as we've seen in the past decade, certainly probably since Saquon Barkley and the billing he's getting coming out. In our uh, SiriusXM post-draft the other night, Alan Soslowski took him at number two overall. I was picking four, and... uh, Thought I was going to have to pass on him there and, and you know think about that decision, but that didn't get to me. Uh, he's going to go all over the place. I don't have a problem going first round in him. I know you've never been on first round rookies. We've had that debate in Zeke's year and others, but if you're going to go on one, this is the guy. And he's a I first think rounder in dynasty drafts. You could argue that he's RB one right now. I would argue that. I would argue he's the number one pick in Superflex dynasty drafts right now. And you know what, Dan, there are things that you have to do in life, and sometimes nobody's perfect. You have to recognize that you make mistakes. Uh, I made mistakes when it came to not believing I could trust a rookie running back in the first round. Bijan running back, or Bijan running back, <laughs> Bijan Robinson is a first-round running back. I'm with you. He's a first-round running back in redraft. Yeah, I think um, I think the thing is, is where in the first round, right? And for me, I can't take him over. I mean, he, I got him RB4 right now in my redraft ranks. And I know that's, that's fair. I would probably put him five, quite yeah. frankly, but so that's fair. Bottom line is we're both saying he's top five. And even if you add in a few receivers into the top eight, I mean, you're, you're talking about top eight or nine player regardless. Mm-hmm. And that's being conservative, in my opinion, based off where I think his ADP is going to land. 
Yep, I'm with you. Uh, I think he is a first rounder, and I think um, you know I've looked myself in the mirror and said, "Don't be an idiot again." So we're gonna take him there uh, and feel good about it. It's a buzzkill and bummer for Tyler Algier Dan- uh, dynasty managers. Obviously, his stock's gonna take a hit, but it is Arthur Smith, so I think some role is going to remain. Uh, so I wouldn't just sell him for nothing at this point. Let's see how it pans out. Jameer Gibbs went number 12, and I think that was a big surprise. The Lions said they'd take him as high as six. They got him at 12. Dude, I was hoping he'd fall to the Bengals and in that part of the draft and the, and the back end of round one, but that's not the case. And when you take a running back like that, we knew they were going to use him. It only took him about 24 hours to get rid of DeAndre Swift. They signed David Montgomery in the offseason. This one-two punch of Gibbs and Montgomery is interesting. James I think Gibbs, I'm not saying he's a first round back, but given what the draft capital they use and the way they're talking him up, I think he's going to have an immediate value in fantasy. I don't think this is something that's going to take a long time to develop. I haven't quite moved him up into my board of top 20 yet, but I think you could view him as an RB2 with some serious upside. He's definitely an RB2. He's got to be considered as such. Uh, Again, you cannot deny the draft capital. Um, Let me ask you who is the best offensive line in football right now. Philadelphia. All right. I'm not going to argue with that, but the Detroit Lions. The are Detroit Lions close. are top five offensive line. When healthy. <clears throat> They're very close. I was hoping you'd just say the Lions and, and appease me, but it's okay. <laughs> so you've got an awesome offensive line in a division that mostly stinks. I mean, where they're going to be able to, and, and I don't buy that Minnesota's as good as they were last year. Their point differential would indicate they were not the team they were record-wise. The Packers, eh, the Bears, eh. This Lions team should be winning games, as we saw. They really came on strong last year. I think Gibbs, now look, I get Montgomery's probably going to be the the bull at the goal line and maybe finishing things off in the fourth quarter. But with this offensive line, dude, I think Gibbs is absolutely an RB2. I mean, I don't know if I should say he's as, he's he should be ranked similar to where you had Swift a year ago, but you should probably consider him close to where you had Swift a year ago. Yeah. I'm with you. I that think, might be too high, but no. Nah, I mean, I'm not going to talk anybody out of of taking him. And in and even in redraft or uh, rookie drafts that aren't super flex, I mean, he's probably number two pick. I mean, there, it could certainly be argued. It. Let's just leave. If it you at need that. running back and you have the two pick, you should take him in a in a non super flex draft. I agree. Yeah, in a vacuum, it's a little odd, but. The, the end of the day, we're both all you. in on him. After that, it gets a little interesting because mm-hmm. Zach Charbonnet, obviously the uh, the big guy that uh, was number three on everybody's board in the class, the big dude out of UCLA there, and going to Seattle. Not does it only ding Kenny Walker a little bit, but certainly limits his upside. Uh, in redraft leagues right now, James, I'm looking at him as, you know, I got him at RB41 right now, uh, loosely in my just quick ranks I've thrown together. So I don't know. That's going to be very fluid. Uh, Is he the third rookie in redraft that I'm targeting? I'm not so sure. I think there's some other names there. Devin O'Shane with Miami, the elusive playmaker, I think could have a bigger role. I mean, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, it's a crowded backfield, but I think it's, uh, it's a little easier to jump those dudes than Kenny Walker. Right. We, Pete Carroll has a history of sticking with the veterans too when he drafts these rookies. Uh, but in in rookie drafts, especially if we're talking just one QB rookie drafts here, uh, both of those guys are, the, you know, those are four RBs I think are legit round one rookie picks this year, the, the ones I've named. 
I'm there, with you. Are there any others that you feel like could be in the argument, or I guess who, who's next in the pecking order here, just to quickly hit on? Those are my top four, and then the pecking order falls off drastically. And I've gone with a couple of players in my next tier. I don't know that I have them in a particular order. But my next tier, I've got three guys, Dan, that uh, I think all could end up being first-round rookie picks. I'm interested in the landing spot for these players, and I'm hopeful to get them in the second round. Um, I got to say Chase Brown with the Bengals. I mean, if we're worried about mixing, uh, there is no more Samaj P. Ryan. That role in itself could be good with additional workload. This guy ran all over. I mean, I know the Big Ten, whatever. Uh, he ran all over the Big Ten at Illinois. Uh, what about Roshan Johnson? He goes to the Bears. He has a nice opening for some carries there with the departure of David Montgomery. I don't like the offense as much there, but Roshan Johnson, I think, has a chance to be that um, Damian Pierce type of player that just skyrockets as we get into August on draft boards because he takes over the starting role. Uh, and Zach Evans. I mean, what is the running back situation? He went really late. Most people, I think, had him ranked higher than he was drafted in this class. Yeah, but, but he, he goes to, some, when the guys fall like that, I get a little worried. I, mean, I do too. But he goes to the Rams, Dan, and the Rams. I mean, is Acres the dude? I mean, I think there's an opportunity for plays there. So those are the next three for me. I think we really do kind of fall off a cliff after the top four at running. Yeah, it's not. It's not as lucrative and deep of a rookie class. So you're not going to get some of those deals. But there's always going to be dudes that we're on none of our radars right now that are going to merge by late August that we'll keep our eyes on. I think uh, the other names you mentioned there, I mean, uh, Kendra Miller, obviously with the saints is a guy that I, that I put in that class. I like Spears uh, in Tennessee, uh, but you know, that's more of a long-term play there. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people uh, think he's got the potential to be both a, a runner and a catcher out of the backfield, which is something I like. And I mean, I'm keeping my eyes on what goes on here with Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville. ETN, clearly the dude there. And I'm all, you know, I love me some Travis ETN uh, heading into 2023, but a smaller frame dinged up. I think Bigsby, a guy there at 210, six foot, it's got some size, nice little, nice uh, physical runner, I think, that could sort of eat into some of those carries. Maybe Travis Etienne's not as much of a bell cow as we might have projected with these types of players. And you've got to look at guys that get, if they're second, third round picks, on you know day two picks in the NFL draft, they get a little bit more of a, the team's invested in them, so you're expecting them mm -hmm. to have a little bit of a bigger role. Uh, receivers, this class, the best receivers seem like they all went to the wrong spots. Uh, it's crazy. I, I mean, you know, so many teams, you know, you want receivers. I mean, if we're just talking landing spots, I mean, the Giants is it. Jalen Hyatt, I think of all the rookies, got in the spot where he could emerge the quickest. Uh, obviously, I know there's been a lot of buzz with Rasheed Rice because Kansas City with these receivers. And here's the problem with Kansas City. Yeah, Rice is good, and I, I agree he could emerge. But even if he's wide receiver one, there's still six other receivers getting targets there. And so it, it gets a little scary. The, the, two, the two biggest names in the class, though, James, the two guys that I was most interested in when the draft started, Jackson Smith and Jigba, ends up as – Seattle, a team that loves to run the football, draft another running back, and he's going to be wide receiver three here. Mm -hmm. You look at the amount of targets that are going to be available based off the projected pass load there, and it, I mean, you can't get Smith and the Jigba and think that he's the guy's going to be a top fifty receiver. I mean, mathematically, it doesn't make sense. I'm with you. I mean, Seattle single handedly sabotaged these rookie drafts. We're getting ready to start with uh, with the two players they took who could have been. 
high end first moves round for picks. Seattle, by the way. Great moves for Seattle. Yeah, I agree. Crappy moves for our fantasy landscape yeah. of rookie drafts. Yeah. Quentin Johnson I mean, uh, and Zay Flowers were the next two guys on my list. I did like where they both went, especially Johnston. I know right now it's deep, but in Dynasty, you're paired up with Herbert. We know Keenan Allen, they've got him back this year, but how long has he got? Mike Williams is often hurt. Josh Palmer, eh, he's all right. Quentin Johnson, two, three years from now, this guy could be paired up with one of the top five quarterbacks in football for the next five seasons. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with you. Um, I think Johnston has got to be considered. I think I moved him from three to two after the draft. Uh, and you mentioned Hyatt, dude. I mean, he has to be – is he a back-end first-round pick? Because you want to talk about – Oh, in you, rookie you, drafts? Heck yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a first You hit the nail on the head with the Chiefs. I mean, they've got Kadarius Tony. They've got Sky Moore. They obviously still have Kelsey there. Maybe they bring McKinnon back. Like, Rice, I don't know that he is anywhere on the pecking order. Jalen Hyatt, I mean, look at what the re- look at what the Giants were doing while making the playoffs last year, turning to players off of other teams' practice squads to make a playoff push. Jalen Hyatt, I mean, dude, he steps in. If Sterling Shepard's not ready to return and be the number one, uh, I said that somewhat facetiously. Uh, I mean, he's the number one there, dude. Maybe it's Darren Waller is the true number one as the year goes on. And I don't know if Danny Dimes is throwing 20 touchdowns this year. I don't think yeah. he did last well, year. I like but Zay, yeah, I like Zay Flowers. I mean, we already talked about Beckham and Bateman, but are those guys that hard to jump over? And especially if we're talking long-term here, now we know Lamar's there five years. I mean, this is a guy that they were before the draft comp and a lot the Steve Smith type of player. And now he ends up in Baltimore of all places. <laughs> Where Steve Smith, uh, Jonathan Mingo in Carolina, and we talked about the young quarterback there. I think that's a good spot. Another one of my uh, names to watch, Marvin Mims Jr. Uh, there's a guy, James. I mean, here's you talk about run after the catch ability. This is an explosive playmaker, and an up here in Denver. And there's two teams right now that just in general as offenses, I think, are being undervalued in fantasy drafts that I'm participating in. One of them's the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton is going to make a difference, dude. Nathaniel Hackett was a joke. We knew they had talent. I think they're post-type sleepers across the board. I'm not saying I'm going all in on Russ being this huge dude, but I think he's going to be improved enough. So I'm I'm trying to get pieces of that offense on the Chief. The other one's the Browns. Uh, I really think that you know the Browns still have a pretty good team, and I think uh, you know as much as I don't want it to happen, I think Deshaun Watson is going to do enough offensively to, to bring some life into that, and that's where they got Cedric Tillman, another – player that uh you know i was anxious to see where he ended up here six foot three he's got you know he's a guy that can go up and get those high balls and and that always leads to touchdowns so pretty exciting class i don't think there's any rookie in it especially with the landing spots that's going to come in and even be like a wide receiver three type of guy out of the gate in fantasy though yeah i'm with you and mims i mean he looks like he could be the next tyler lockett type player for russ right yeah, let's get to the tight ends and finish it there. Uh, the deepest tight end class that we've seen in some time, and it is loaded with talent. Of course, uh, you and I both covering Michael Mayer in his high school days. He went to your alma mater. We were, in our heart, although our heads might disagree, our heart was sort of hoping the Bengals would have took him there at 28. But uh, he felt around two. The only round one tight end, Dalton Kincaid, James. Let's start there. Buffalo traded up to get him. The incumbent Dawson Knox is snooze fest city here. And we know Kincaid's got the skill set, and, and season long, it's really hard for me to look at rookies and count on them. But this might be an exception. I think Kincaid, I'm not saying like 
I'm going crazy on him like we people did Kyle Pitts, but I mean, given the nature of the position, he could easily be a tight end one here as a uh, back end, you know, back end tight end one just based off of the offense he's in if if he's the type of player I expect. He could, and you can't deny the draft capital. Uh, by the way, this has got to be the best tight end class since 2018. In a rookie draft, all that said, if I'm, if I'm in a rookie draft, Kincaid is the only one I would even remotely consider in the round one, frankly. Uh, and, and I would have a lot, I always have a tough time spending round one dynasty capital on a, a rookie tight end, personally. I personally would just take my chance at one of the other receivers. And then maybe look at some of these deeper rounds to get the tight end, right? Because if there's six or seven that could turn into something, wouldn't you rather, you know, sort of, I don't know. I don't think Kincaid is worth it to me to 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 make sure that you're paying that type of capital is all I'm saying. He's probably the first tight end to take off the board, but I think I'd rather do it in round two. Maybe I've got the Colonel Blue colored glasses on, but he's not my number one tight end. Michael Mayer is. Um, yeah. Michael Mayer was my number one tight end beforehand. Uh, first of all, when I look at the film, Michael Mayer looks more like a tight end than any, any of these other guys. Now, that doesn't make him a good fantasy tight end, but he looks more the part than some of these other guys. Well, now, I mean, yeah, he's going to play on Washington. the line and block and help all those things. But, you know, I'm yeah. just looking at it from fantasy perspective, especially as a rookie. Well, let's look at that from a fantasy perspective as a rookie. Who's going to be running? Who's the Who's the offensive genius now that runs the uh, offense in the in Vegas that Michael Mayer is going to be playing in. Well, the guy was such a genius that uh, Waller was a bust again last year. Well, Waller can't stay healthy. He doesn't he's not the same body type so that you Michael like Mayer, Mayer over Kincaid. But I what I'm it. saying about him being a genius, not necessarily a genius, but um when McDaniel's was running the offense in New England, Rob Gronkowski had a ton of touchdowns as a rookie. Michael Mayer has been comped as baby Gronk for a long time. There couldn't be a better landing spot than a team that needs a tight end with a quarterback who's had good rapport with tight ends in the past, Jimmy G with Kittle, and a head coach who developed Rob Gronkowski when you've got baby Gronk. I Look, he went to the same high school I did. Maybe I'm biased. I really don't think I am. I think Michael Mayer is the tight end one in this class, regardless of landing spot. And yeah. yes, he was the third one taken, but he was the 35th player off the board. I hear you. Well, I mean... I, to to my point, I I just don't think any of the tight ends are guys that I think are top ten rookie picks. Is all I'm saying. I mean, I could see I could see him get 405 touchdowns this year. That's not <laughs> a bad rookie season with a lot of room to grow. I mean, I think that's well within grasp. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you got Mayor. I am biased. I, well, yeah, but it's okay. You can be biased. <laughs> you got Mayor. I got Kincaid. I, Who so, I have two. So I have are two. you saying I mean, both no. of these guys are? are, are Rookie first round picks, then? I mean, I mean, this tight end class, if it's really I, as good you as you say that, I'm looking was. at guys like Laporta and Musgrave. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Packers got two again, which it seems like that always sucks. Is I think that's worth a conversation, too. The Packers taking two. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I mean, Green Bay, I mean, we don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about that offense, but uh, I really like Musgrave. But I mean, I think Sam Laporta is interesting. You talk about. The Detroit could have taken Michael Mayer. Laporta fits what they want to do better, I think. He's, uh, you know, uh, but, you know, here's a guy that's in a better offense. I mean, I'm looking at the Lions with all the things. They're, they're basically trying to play positionless football. I mean, that's why they drafted Gibbs where they did. Laporta is that type of guy, too. So, I don't know. All I'm saying is, 
in a rookie draft, uh, you're going to go off what your needs are more than likely than anything. And if, yeah, Mayor, maybe Mayor or Kincaid, whoever your tight end one in this class is a back end <laughs> first round rookie. But for me, it's sort of like it's similar to the way that the NFL views it. Your draft, that type of draft capital is hard to invest in a tight end. And I think there's like some other sleepers on this list. I think there is too. And I would say this to uh, just to get beyond the first couple of guys. I think this class has a chance to produce several starters in the future. And I think if you're sitting there with a team that doesn't have a, you know, Dallas Goddard or I don't know, TJ Hawkinson, even if you've got an aging tight end, the second, the third round picks, I mean, whether it's, you know, getting down to Schoonmaker or Strange, I think these guys have chances to be tight end, starting tight ends, not tight end one fantasy, you know, top 12. I think those guys that you could get probably in the third round have a chance to materialize into starting tight ends on a weekly basis within two to three years. So those later picks, I mean, I'm with you. So I, I think that I would go late first with a guy like Mayer, maybe. Uh, but either way, if you don't, I think going late with, even if it's Darnell Washington, if it's not Schoonmaker Strange, guys like that, I think you could find some uh, good stuff. I mean, even Josh Wiley. And, and look, Green Bay, who took a second tight end, maybe it's the second tight end you take Tucker Craft way late in the draft. And if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't matter. But it's clearly a position that they're looking to pump into their offense. All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. Plenty more to debate. We'll be doing it all off season long. Be sure to subscribe to the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter at JamesAdams94 for James, at Dan Claskins for me. And next time we'll check in on the NFL schedule. It's out. We're going to talk and break it down. Uh, some early best ball strategies as well. James, lots of fun, my friend. Uh, we're already uh, disagreeing on things. That's perfect timing. Hey, we are spurring thought and conversation. It's okay to disagree because Lord knows we'll have too much groupthink come August. All right. Well, we got best balls galore, so I hope to see you in a draft room soon, my friend. Yes, sir. All right. Until then, uh, thanks for listening to another edition of the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. <laughs>